Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Second Corinthians is gonna be our passage that we're gonna preach from. Second Corinthians. Maybe on our 20th year, I'm gonna get everybody up that was here on the 10th year. That'll be fun. That's my challenge to you. Stick around for the next decade. Second Corinthians. And then we'll reward you with a walk across the stage. <laughs> Second Corinthians. Wow, what an honor. Second Corinthians chapter five. I wanna read this passage starting from verse 11. It says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. And since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And He gave us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. And God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God for God made Christ who never sinned to be offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We are in a, what I'm call, calling a, a series overlap because we just closed out our series, Where the Hell is Heaven? And we finished that last Sunday. And I, and I told you in the overlap, we'll have a mini series, remember that? And, and in conference, I preached a, a partway message and today I'm gonna finish the mini series, but at the same time, start a new series. It's like Inception. A dream within a dream, okay? And today we're gonna not just preach a sermon, I'm gonna give the sermon the same title for the series, which is Heaven Now. Heaven Now. Are you ready, Five Global? Come on, whatever location you are in right now, find 10 people around you and quickly with a high five, say happy 10th, happy 10th, happy 10th, happy 10th. Use 10 digits, find 10 people, give them a happy, happy 10th. Happy 10th. So this time 10 years ago, we were in uh, just up the street, in the JCC having our first ever service. And uh, I left it last minute to, to try and search for a photo. 
so, so maybe you could just throw up the photo of, of our first service. It's literally the only one I could quickly scroll through. That's when we were a Mormon church, by the way. Look at that. <laughs> uh, a skinny tie, yeah. It wasn't just a tie. It was a fashionable one. <laughs> a new age Mormon. That's what I was back then. And uh, <laughs> we... we we quickly saved that. And some of you didn't believe me before when I said Vance hasn't changed, but we have. Can we put up the, the core team photo? Look, look, it's Carly, Kira, that's Kim, and Vance. And Vance, just same old Vance, yeah. Same old Vance. Yeah, he's got curly hair now. That happens when you finally go through puberty. It's a joke. It's amazing to see where you can come from, isn't it? When you look back and you see photos and you see pictures and you see, what the heck was I thinking? But the last 10 years have been fun, to be honest with you. This week was an absolute honor and privilege at, at Vive Conference. We got, to, we got to host over 200 pastors and leaders. Not just our Vive pastors and leaders, but pastors and leaders from around the Bay Area and beyond. We had uh, pastors come from Hawaii. We had pastors coming from Canada. We had people coming from South Carolina. We had pastors flying in from all over the nation to be here at Vive Conference. That's kind of special. That, that means a lot. That, that means that there is something they're looking to get and looking to get an impartation of, and it's really special. And I was just spending some time with the pastors, meeting them, people I'd never met before. And I met this one particular pastor I'd never met him before, getting to know who he is and where he's from. And, and he said, did you know Vive has a reputation? I said, oh, no, I, I, I didn't. I said, what, what's the reputation? He said, yeah. People know Vive as crazy. I said, but he said a little aggressive. People know Vive as crazy. I, I said, really? What, what makes people think that? And then he told me something that I want to tell you in just a minute. But before I tell you what he said... I need to hold it because when I think about the last 10 years, it, it's, it's, to me it's been pretty crazy to see what God has done. In fact, for, for 10 years we've had a distinct and clear mission which is to awaken people to the reality of Jesus. A mission so distinct in fact that it has driven us as a church to not let any excuses prevent us from achieving this purpose. Not even temporary venues over 10 years in 10 locations, setting up and tearing down, bumping in at 5 a.m. in the morning, bumping out at 5 p.m. in the afternoon and doing a full work day. It's, it's amazing to me how many people have said to me over the last 10 years, I work harder on a Sunday than in my job. It's because you work in tech, that's why. Just coding. Buffet, <laughs> conversation, go home. That's what it is. You don't even stay for the afternoon. You just get a little code in, answer an email or two, and done. But Sunday we've got to work. And yet we haven't even let 
All the obstacles over the last 10 years prevent us. We've had some obstacles. We've had to do pop-up church in different locations. We've had to do outdoor church. There have been Sundays where we couldn't even get into our venue. We had to go into a community center. And that wasn't easy. That's difficult stuff. To do church in a... a, I'll tell you how difficult it is. There's one time we were in this... this, uh, It was the Mitchell Park Community Center just down the street. Memorable service. I will never forget this particular service. Because this one particular service, it was the, the power of God was there. I'm not going to lie to you. We had popped up church. We had put our pound of flesh in. I considered it a sacrifice. God on a sacrifice. He showed up in a powerful way. Right in the middle of flow, the band would go. It was, it was so intense that the band had their eyes closed. And the band, no, don't close your eyes. But they were just so in the presence of God, their eyes were closed. Everybody in the front row, everyone in the sound, in the sound booth, everyone had their eyes closed, worshiping God. I'm looking at a sea of hands, people lifting their hands, and as everyone's got their hands lifted, I see a particular set of hands gliding down the aisle. I'm literally thinking someone's hovering. We're having I've never seen it in Scripture, but we're seeing levitatings happening in the atmosphere of God's presence and power. I'm looking around. Nobody can see this because everyone's got their eyes closed. I'm trying to keep going with the moment. I don't want to wreck the moment because the moment was so special. But as I'm watching, I'm realising that this isn't a levitation. This isn't a floating in the Holy Spirit. This is a half-naked man on rollerblades gliding down the aisle. And it was the bottom half that was naked. Now I appreciate the fact that he had a t-shirt on. That was a little longer. But how many people know that when, when you get ready for church on a Sunday, You have to do the worship test. You have to look in the mirror, lift both hands, and see where the shirt goes. You know what I mean? You don't want to show navel in a worship set. He didn't do that. So as he's coming down, overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, gliding to the altar, probably to receive salvation, everything is on show for the glory of the Lord. I'm looking for security. We, that's why we started having security from that day on. That was, we said the next team we're investing in is security team. I can't even remember who it was. It was probably, I don't know, it was probably, it was Josiah. It was you, Josiah. It was, I was, it was probably Josiah. Josiah just kindly just turned him around and rolled him back out of the church. It's amazing. Hands lifted the whole way. We were not letting nothing stop us from achieving the mission that God had for us to awaken people, even rollerbladers, to the reality of Jesus. When I think about all the, the things, I got a long list of craziness. I got a long list of crazy things that have happened. And honestly, this pastor's comment wasn't a new one to me. Every stage of this journey has been crazy. When we left Australia to come into the USA, people 
said we we're crazy. When we launched the five by five vision in year one, people said we're crazy. Then when we launched the five by one vision, five campuses in one year, people said, now you're crazy. And when we stepped out and declared that we're gonna buy a $32 million building, people said, now you're really crazy. But you know what this pastor said to me? He said, people say vibes crazy. And I said, why, why do they say that? He said, I don't know, but let me assure you, people only say something's crazy when they like the courage. People only say something's crazy when they themselves lack the courage to do it. I'm here to commend you, Vive Church. You ain't crazy. You're courageous. You possess the courage to do what others would seem or deem crazy. And honestly, when he said that, I immediately thought of this verse in 2 Corinthians because it's actually one of my favorite lines in all the Bible. Here, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, defending his actions as an apostle. And he says in verse 13, he says, if it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Now, for some context, if we're to kind of back up to the beginning of the chapter of chapter 5, you will find that the apostle is illuminating what we will be like when we get to heaven. How many people remember that last Sunday? We talked about not what heaven would be like, but also what we would be like. That in heaven, he explains all the way through the first part of chapter 5 that we will have what's called a glorified body. A body like the body of Jesus that can kind of just pop through walls and just appear, but at the same time eat and connect and touch and be physical, this brilliant display of a, of a body. And he was explaining to, to, to the church in Corinth that that's what it's going to be like in heaven. That's what you're going to receive in heaven. And he was pointing them towards what they can look forward to. That, that even though you're enduring this life and in this body you feel pain, in this body you feel tired, in this earthly body, we, we discovered this on Friday night, that you are limited. That there are some severe limitations to this existence that you have. That in your body you have limitations because it's earthly. And a lot of the limitations result in you feeling pain, you're feeling fatigue and tiredness. And honestly, the truth is that this, this, after this week, I'm feeling it a whole nother level. <laughs> Anybody with me? Like after this week, I'm feeling the limitations of my earthly body. However, what Paul wants them to realize and what he reveals in contrast is that when we get our heavenly bodies, we will no longer be limited by those things. And what he reminds them of, while it's great to know that we can anticipate heaven and have that expectation, in verse 9 of chapter 5, he says this, so whether we're in, here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ and be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly Body. What Paul is constantly connecting is not just giving the church a picture of heaven to look forward to, but connecting heaven with earth. That yeah, it's great that we're gonna have a heavenly body that we get to look forward to. That's gonna be fantastic. All the cool tricks you'll be able to do, all the cool things you'll be able to do. But, 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 but be sure of this, whether you're in that body or this body, what you'll be judged for is what you do in this body on earth. 
And he constantly tempered the reality of his surroundings through the lens of heaven. He even put his pain and his persecution through the filter of an eternal glory, which ultimately changed the way he approached everything, including the plan and purpose of God and even the way he looked at the people of God. In fact, look at verse 16 with me. Again, he says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know Him now. A human point of view. A human point of view. What is a human point of view? Well, a human point of view is a limited point of view. It's a perspective that is framed within limitation and considers what's possible within our own strength. That's a human point of view. A human point of view is short-sighted. This week, one of the mornings we came in for conference, I was out in the lobby and, and I bumped into Christina and her kids and Azariah, Ruben's little boy Azariah, was just telling me how far he can see, just how good his eyesight is. So I thought I'd put that to the test. Let me be the judge of that young man. And I was picking out things from one end of the lobby all the way down the lobby. And I was like, can you see that thing down there? Tell me what it says. He's like, I can't. Ha. <laughs> young eyes. So I said, all right. I picked something a little closer. And I said, right there's a sign that can you tell me what that says? And he's like, no. I'm like, this kid has no idea. He can't see anything. So I picked something really close. I said, what about this sign right here? Can you read that for me? He's like, no. I said, you don't have good eyesight. He said, oh, I do. I just can't read yet, Pastor. Honest truth, that's literally. Christina just sat silently the whole time watching this go on too. Thank you. But that's, that's human. That's human. Even when you find you're pretty good at one area, you're limited in another. So Paul presents this idea of trading up our human evaluation for a heavenly one. So how do we get a heavenly perspective? I'm trying to help us make a shift in the decade. We, we've done a decade now and we've been in a mode in this decade where we've been awakening people to the reality of Jesus. We've been so focused on this mission about bringing people to God, making sure that we secure up people's eternities, that we secure up their entrance into heaven. We want to get people to heaven. That's the goal. Awakening people to the reality of Jesus, getting people to heaven. We want more people going to heaven than there are to hell. How many people would agree with me? This is a great mission statement for a church to have. I've seen so many fancy mission statements that church have about being creative and all those things. That's good, but, but, but the main mission, no matter how you do it, whether it's creative or uncreative, just get people to heaven. Get people to heaven. And what we're going to do, what Paul is saying, is we've got to not just look with a human evaluation, but trade it up for a, a heavenly one. So how do we get a heavenly perspective? Well, 
When writing to the Colossians, we know this. Paul made it very clear in Colossians 3.1. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. In other words, what Paul is instructing the church to do is to change the orientation. Instead of looking from earth at heaven, he says, look at earth from heaven by considering the realities of heaven. I wanna help you elevate your perspective and change the polarity for a moment. Because so often we're looking at heaven as this distant reality, this when it happens, in the end time, at the, a long way from now, and if I can just convince enough people along the way that when we get there, it'll be fantastic, it'll be much better than the other option, that, then we're still looking from earth towards heaven. But what Paul is trying to put within the, even the early church and still the church today, if you actually read the epistles the way Paul intended to them, he's like, change the orientation. Don't look from here to heaven. Look from heaven back here. I want to explain what that means. Stay with me, stay with me. He wants you to make sure that you, you set your mind on the realities of heaven, even though you live on earth. It's where you fix your gaze. It's where you fix your sight. It's it's the way you look. Jesus put it this way. When He was teaching how to pray, He said in Matthew 6, 9, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let Your will be done here like there. Like it is there, let it be done here. This is an important prayer, a fundamental prayer for every believer that desires to pursue God's purpose for their life, to understand that I need to make sure I orient my perspective as a follower of Jesus correctly. That I'm not just looking and longing for some distant reality, but I bring the reality of there into here. Stay with me. The prayer which is so rich with theology for the believer reveals the correct polarity for our prayer life. So, so even when you know how to pray, what Jesus was saying is prayer shouldn't really be a plead. <laughs> Can I pick on the Italians for a moment? Can I do that? They already know exactly what I'm going to say. Because when we started, we've got the Italians here, our Italian leadership team out for conference. And when we first went to Italy, uh, we, we were just kind of trying to explain the kind of church that we're going to build. And don't get me wrong, Davide, Fabio, Alessandro, Izzy, Alessia, at the time, so pumped, watching videos and trying to pick up the culture, and we were doing some meetings. And, and I can remember the first meeting, I said, we're going to pray. We need to pray. We've got a launch meeting happening. We're going to gather some people. We need to pray. And, and, and so I said, let's go. And literally, as we went to pray, it was like a collective cry. Grazie <laughs> Gesù. I was like, what's going on? Stop, stop, stop. I'm like, who died? They're like, we're talking about That's how we pray. No, that's not how we pray. Maybe that's how the culture 
of Italy traditionally prays, but that's not how we pray. This ain't a please, God, would you come? Mamma mia, would you? No, it's not, that's not the way we pray. We're not coming, twisting God's arm. And if we can pray with enough fervency, then just maybe God would hear our prayers. We, that's praying from earth's perspective, crying out, heaven, would you please come? No, we said we're not gonna pray like that. We're gonna pray with the reality that God's plan is to invade earth. So God, if anything, would you please align us with you? Would you not align with us? God, align us with you. Reveal your plan the way you wanna move. Let, let us shift the polarity and pray with fervency. You should see him pray now. You should go to Milan now and watch him pray. You literally cannot stop them from praying. You have to like wave things and shoot off cannons just to stop them from praying. It's amazing. Pray with a confidence. Pray with a confidence. You see, it's, it's great to anticipate heaven, that's for sure. And have the confidence that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. But in this prayer... What Jesus is essentially asking is why wait? That's what Jesus is actually asking in this prayer. He's not asking it that blatantly, but built in to his model for prayer. He's literally asking the question, why wait? Why wait until you get to heaven to access the realities of heaven? Why not establish the realities of heaven here on earth? In fact, this prayer is part of a larger sermon Jesus was giving in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus was unpacking for the large crowd that had gathered what is known as the Beatitudes, essentially a charge to live a counter-cultural life. That was the charge. That's how you can summarize the Beatitudes. It's this, it was this presentation or this charge to not live like the culture that was present, but to live a counter-cultural life, to, to live a different way, to not live like the way they were conditioned, but to live counterculture. And he does this by revealing God's way of thinking, God's way of living, and God's way of being. Check it out. I want to show you a couple of the Beatitudes. When it comes to thinking like God, Jesus reveals in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, he says, God blesses you. Uh, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. This is a different way of thinking. How many people would agree? When you're getting triggered by the fact that someone says something about you connected to the fact that you go to church every week and that you're at conference all week and you took off work to go to a church conference and they're going in at you, be glad. Don't get triggered. Don't fire back. Don't do what your natural worldly culture wants to do. Live like heaven. Okay? There's a different way to think. When it comes to living, Jesus revealed in Matthew Chapter 5, verse 43 says, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the world's culture, earthly culture. But I say, Love your enemies. Wow. 
Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. These are not antiquated philosophies, by the way. This is a heavenly culture that Jesus is instructing the saints to live by. Somewhere along the way, maybe it's got something to do with social media, we have lost the Beatitudes and we've fallen back into social media scolding each other. Getting in the comments and taking it from the comments to the DMs and defending and arguing, making enemies instead of loving enemies. Loving enemies, loving enemies. It's, I know it's a crazy concept, but it's crazy when you don't have the courage to do it. It's only crazy to those who don't have the courage to do it. When you're looking from earthly reality toward heaven, it's impossible. But when you're looking from heaven's perspective toward earth, it's possible. It's not just thinking, it's not just living. He talks about it as a, in being. Jesus reveals in Matthew 5.13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? And it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden the way you the way you be just the way you be I love that talking about you just being just being light that's cool Jesus said this after he revealed that I am the light of the world and he was the light that came into the world but in here he says you are the light of the world he flips it because he wants you to get the very reality of heaven from heaven and in your life. Jesus came from heaven, born of a virgin, into the world. You came from the dust of the world, but he said, do not let the fact that you came from the dust of the world stop you from having your perspective as heaven. Be the light because I am in you. So being, it's in your being, it's in your being. Is this too deep? Are we still with me? You, you, you. We're 10 years now. We can go a little bit deeper. This reason Jesus suggests that a perspective change is needed in order to partner with God. As I mentioned, you know, for the last decade, uh, we've had a very clear mission, which is awakening people to the reality of Jesus, a mission to partner with Jesus and getting as many people as possible to heaven. That's what 2 Corinthians instructs us to do. However, the 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is laid out a little funny. You know, Paul's original letters, can I just do a little Bible uh, background for you? Is that okay? Anybody like studying the Bible, uh, the makeup of the Bible, how the Bible came to be? Any want to be theologians here? Uh, okay, what you need to understand as a foundational element is that the Bible originally the letters, the different letters, the different poems, the different laws, the, the different books didn't have uh, what you have, which is numbers. They didn't have like chapter markers and verse numbers, all right? They were just like one continuous piece of writing. And so the numbers are put in there for our benefit, right? Pretty much predominantly for Sunday morning. So on Sunday, I can say, hey, let's turn here. And then we don't have to wait for everyone to read through 400 pages. I found it. Otherwise, we would send the passage to you earlier in the week and you can prepare. But to make it easy and also to memorize. 
So you can call to memory a part in Scripture by verse, by name, and point someone to it. Very, very handy uh, addition to the structure of the Bible that we have laid out. And the way that they marked what chapter goes where was generally by a complete thought. Now here's the thought starts here, and this is where we think a thought ends here. And for most of the time, the markings that we have are pretty good and accurate. Bring one thought to completion, and then tomorrow in our Bible study, we can start with a brand new chapter. St. Corinthians chapter 5, however, got a little bit wrong. I'm not claiming to be pious. Other scholars believe this as well. That it cuts it short just by a little bit. The problem with that is we'll read to the end of chapter 5 and go, wow, that's good. Close the Bible and wait for another day. But there is a a section in chapter 6 that I believe is meant to be connected to the thought of chapter 5. And chapter 5 is all about our partnership with Jesus and the message we have of reconciling people to Christ. However, chapter 6 continues this idea of partnership with a greater sense of urgency. Paul says this in chapter 6, verse 1, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says at just the right time, I have heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, check this out, the right time is Oh, are you reading your Bible? You're just waiting for me to read it. The right time is, the the, the right time is, thank you church for coming along today and showing up. This This is a major revelation that Paul wanted to include, I believe, in the previous section that got started in the new section, in chapter six. That, that what he wanted to do in unpacking the fact that from the beginning of the chapter, there's this reality that we get to look forward to. Our heavenly bodies, what it's going to be like, what you're going to be like, you get to look forward to that day. It's going to be glorious. But don't just evaluate here on earth from a human point of view. Grab a heavenly perspective to see the world. Begin to see through a lens of heaven and heaven's reality. And while you're at it, don't end at chapter six. (laughs) Because if you're still stuck thinking, that's great, when I mature a bit, or when I've walked with God for a little while, or maybe when I get a little bit further in my faith, then I will do it. No, no, no. He's like, now is the day of salvation. Just to make sure you know he's not talking about a future reality, but a present one. He's connecting the reality of heaven, which we still condition to one day when I get there. He's trying to couple with Jesus and partner with how Jesus taught the disciples how to pray by not just expecting that one day we'll have a different reality, but now is the time. Let me make it clear. Now is the day of salvation, he says. Now is the time to begin to walk out your salvation. In other words, our job isn't just to bring people to heaven, it's to bring heaven to people. We have to understand that it's, it's in now. Don't just accrue people for then or when, it's now. It's, it's now. There is a reality that you have as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ that you live within the reality of this earth, the seen realm, and the reality of heaven, that God gave us prayer to transcend realities. 
that prayer literally takes the reality of heaven. So when you pray, what you're praying is your situation would align with heaven. I, I pray this when I, when I pray for healing because I can't heal anyone. That's not a doubt statement or a fear statement. It's a reality. In me, I can't heal anyone. But it's not my job to heal anyone. Because <laughs> I'm not a healer. I'm a believer. So I believe in the healer. I put my faith in the one who can heal. That's good theology for anybody in here. So what I'm believing is that the reality I'm seeing with someone who is sick or hurt or needing of healing, what I'm seeing is the earthly reality. But I'm also aware of the heavenly reality. Because in heaven, all things are possible. In heaven, all things are redeemed. In heaven, there is a different order than what I see on earth. So when I pray for that healing, I'm praying for alignment. Lord, would earth align with heaven? Would this situation align with the reality of what I know is possible in you? Have your way. Because the right time is now. The right time is now. Don't get me wrong. Heaven will be great when we get there. But heaven isn't just about then. But when we leave this earth, the real reality of heaven over these series and these sermons that we've been talking about is not just something to anticipate or look forward to, but someone, something to bring into our life right now. That as faith-filled believers, to grab the culture and the reality of heaven and bring it into the now. In fact, this is essentially what Jesus was instructing the disciples when teaching them how to pray and was revealing heaven now. When we started Vive 10 years ago, we actually framed our church around Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21. My all-time favourite passage, I've preached it every single year at some point in the last decade. The first sermon I preached from in our church on the second Sunday we officially started. And Pastor Jürgen preached the first Sunday because I didn't have the confidence that people would come back after I preached. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. So I thought, Pastor Jürgen, man, he can preach. Let's get him. Let's trick everyone. Make them think he's the pastor. And they'll come back. And it worked. You're here. <laughs> and I remember preaching from the Scripture that God gave us, Ephesians 3.14. Can I read it to you? Five people are excited. Maybe Honolulu want to hear it. Maybe... San Francisco want to hear it. I know Oakland want to hear it. That's for sure. Ephesians 3, 14, it says, when I think of this, he says, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able 
through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through our generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now I've drawn many aspects of this passage out over the last 10 years. But there's one verse I haven't preached from. One part I haven't picked apart until this moment. And it's verse 19. Verse 19, we have a reference of not waiting till we get to heaven, but living it here on earth. Paul's prayer for the church is they just wouldn't know about things. They just wouldn't have a good doctrine or theology about the end times. He literally says in verse 19, may you experience. Would you experience the love of Christ? This is something that even though you might know about it, you will never fully know about it. Experiencing the love of God is so big and so magnanimous that you can know a lot, you could study a lot, you could read a lot, but even as much as you know, you won't fully know. It's just too big. It's just too grand. There's just too much to His love. No matter what you do, your framework from earth will limit how much you can know about the love of God. You'll start to condition God's love through the filter of your life and the filter of your presence. What you know in your journey and how much you would give love, but God's love exceeds even that. And His love is the greatest articulation of heaven. How do I know this? Because God is love. And the Bible says in probably one of the most famous Scriptures in all the world that God loved us so much that He sent His Son into the world so that through Him the world might be saved. The length of His love, the breadth of His love, the width of His love, the the height of His love was so magnanimous that even knowing people would reject Him, He still went. Even knowing that people would hurt Him and curse Him, He still went dying for those that would reject Him. See, this is heaven and much as you know it, you can't fully know it. But Paul's prayer is that you would experience it. What does that mean? I experience something that I can't even understand. That I would experience something I can't even calculate. That I would experience something that I can't put into words. That, that, that I would experience not just an assurance that when I go, when I die, I go to heaven or the confidence that I've been, you know, accepted by God and that my eternity will be in heaven. But I wouldn't wait till then to experience salvation. But right here on earth, even though I can't understand it, even though I can't articulate it, I would be able to experience something that I can't even explain. Anybody ever been there before in your life where where God is doing something in your heart and God is doing something in your life so crazy that I'd love to be able to tell you and explain to you, but I can't. It's just, it's just, I'm in it. I'm experiencing it. Who I was, what I did, and yet 
God loved me so much to not even just bring me out of that, but to put me on a journey of significance. You see, we can get conditioned to survive on this earth. If our perspective is heaven's great, let's wait till we get there. Let's all celebrate the end. In the end, we're gonna do it. You know what's gonna happen? We're gonna create a cult. We're gonna create a cult that gets into a, you know, back out in the country, probably move to Hollister or something like that. And they'll probably like get shipping containers. We'll stock up on canned goods for about 20 years and we'll bunk it down. We'll put grass on top. We'll put little, like the satellites can't see us, you know, the, 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 the big brother. And we'll just hold on tight and survive. Just so we don't have to face temptation and risk not getting there. But that's not the way it works. Paul's like, I don't want you just to experience when you're there. I want you to experience it now. Because now is the time. Not then, not when, but now. Not some distant era, not some distant day, but now. Not, not, not in the future, but now. He says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time that you may experience it. This means that God's plan isn't just to get just you'd get to heaven one day to experience His presence, but you'd experience heaven now. We've decided that at this decade marker, it's time to extend our mission statement. We've been awakening people to the reality of Jesus. And don't get me wrong, we're continuing on that mission. But we also wanted to extend it by a sentence for the next decade. And so our new mission statement, it's already on the front of the building, we just hit it with a banner, is awakening people to the reality of Jesus and bringing heaven to earth. We are committed to bringing heaven to earth, that we could pe bring people into an experience of God's goodness, into an experience of His power, into an experience of His authority, that they wouldn't just point them to heaven, but you would begin to pe bring people into His presence so that they could experience that love that they can't even explain, that they would experience His grace that they can't articulate, that beyond the words that they would try and blog about or talk about, that they would say, you have to come and see, you have to come and taste. Psalm says, taste and see that the Lord is good. To bring heaven to earth. To bring heaven to earth. To bring heaven to earth. A mandate to bring the power and authority and culture of heaven into the world. Into your homes. You, you, thought, you think I'm just talking about on Sundays in all our locations? I, that wasn't even in my frame of mind. Because <laughs> there's already heaven here. <laughs> I'm talking about anywhere you go as the people of God, as the carriers of His presence. Everywhere you go, I'm talking about your homes, I'm talking about your workplaces, I'm talking about your industries, I'm talking about your schools, I'm talking about your businesses, I'm talking about your spheres of influence where we can find ourselves as the people of God bringing heaven to earth. I wonder what that would look like in your world. To be an agent of heaven. To, to bring the culture of heaven 
How many business owners do I have here? How many business owners? Every location, business owners. What does that look like to bring heaven into your business? What does that look like to lead like heaven? What does that look like to to lead with that authority and those values? How many parents do I have here? If you're a parent, come on, I'm trying to make sure I get the right people here. Parents, 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 parents. Some are really unsure. I don't know how you're unsure. Put your hand up if you're a parent. I'm trying to, you're responsible for bringing heaven into your home. What does it look like to be the agent of heaven in your home? How many people go to school here? Some form of school, junior high, middle high, senior high, college. Come on, put your hand up. Every location, get involved on this Sunday morning. Yes. You're responsible to bring heaven into that school. That through you, they would experience something they can't explain. You see, gone are the days where you can turn this on on a Sunday. It's gotta be bigger than a Sunday. Heaven's too big for a Sunday. Heaven's way too big for four walls. As big as this place is, as nice as this place is, heaven's too big to fit in here. Heaven has to invade your sphere of influence, your world as an agent of heaven, bringing the realities of heaven into our world. Bring the culture to bring the authority. What does that look like practically? To some, it's gonna look crazy. To others, it's gonna look courageous. It may mean you stepping out of your comfort and speaking on behalf of God. It it may mean when someone shares that they've got an illness, you don't just go, oh, oh, I'll throw up a prayer for you. Why don't you pray for them right there and then? If the power of God is real and if heaven reality is in your hands, why not pray right there? There's so many ways we can unpack that, which we're going to do over the next few weeks in this series. Equip you with how we live heaven now. As a church and as a people of God, how we live heaven now. But I wanted to do something where I pray for those who feel like they lack the courage. Maybe the pressure of the world is real, that you've lived intimidated. Maybe there's been an inkling and a desire, not only just to be a witness, but now you're saying, Pastor, you want us to move in the power of God? You want us to move in our gifts beyond a Sunday? Hate to tell you the gifts weren't for the Sunday anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I do. But I also know that we can pray for boldness and courage from God. And what seems crazy to others, it's going to be courageous. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I need that kind of courage. If you're calling us to this mission, which I am. If you belong to this church, let this be a clear call to the mission of the next 10 years. To radically transform your industries to not just be in a particular industry to earn a paycheck, but to see yourself like a missionary for heaven, to see yourself with the mandate of heaven, 
to bring a different culture, to bring the dominion of heaven. Let this be your marching orders. Let me act like a captain in front of an army right now, making it abundantly clear that if you wanna be part of this mission, it's gonna need courage. It's gonna need boldness. It's gonna need a ferocity. But the significance on the other side of this mission far outweighs any temporal gain. It far outweighs any temporal persecution. Jesus said, live differently. When they persecute it, be glad for it. Be glad because you're doing your job. And if you need the courage, if you need an infusion of boldness from the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna invite you just to lift your hands right now and I'm gonna pray that like Peter, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible said he was full of boldness. He was filled with boldness. Something came over Peter. Something came over Peter. It was the Holy Spirit that just filled him. He had already been in love with Jesus and he had waited and he had seen and he'd waited and he'd waited and he'd waited. And then all of a sudden the Bible says that in the upper room, the Holy Spirit filled them and boldness filled him. And he began to go out and preach 3,000 people. God saved that day. So if you need that boldness and that courage, you're saying, God, I desire to be used by you, but I felt timid. I felt hesitant. I wanna pray right now that trademark of your life would be courage. That you wouldn't even recognize yourself. That there would be a new you. In fact, I don't want you to just raise your hand. I want you to step out of your seat in every location, come down the front. We're gonna have a moment with God. Come down the front, come down the front. Every location, my campus pastor is gonna pray. Come right now, if you're saying, God, I'm getting bold today. God, there's a new decade ahead. I'm not holding back. I'm stepping into a brand new courage and a brand new confidence in Christ Jesus. Yeah, come on, make your way to the front. Make your way to the front. We're gonna pray together as the church. Yeah, come on, keep piling in, pile it in. Keep piling in, come on. Come on, move quicker, move quicker, move quicker. I'm gonna run out of time. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Come on, keep coming all the way down. Come all the way down, every location. In South Valley, come on, in San Jose, come forward. Who else, who else, who else? We're gonna pray, very power of God. I want you to expect something right now. I don't want you to expect a cute, quiet prayer. I wanna expect every fiber of your being to be infused with the culture of heaven. That every fiber of your being is being surrendered to God to be used by Him as a vessel of authority, as a vessel of power, anointed servants of the Most High God, anointed servants, equipped. So God, right now, for every person on this altar in every location around the globe right now, God, I pray that as you see their obedience, as you see their step, as they have stepped toward You, God, I pray You would meet them here on this altar. I pray that You would meet them and fill their heart, fill their life, fill their mind. God, I pray right now, Lord, that every area of timidity, Lord, we speak to that and we call it into alignment with the revelation that if God is for me, who cares who's against me? It does not matter what enemy could present toward me. If my God is for me, who is mighty and who conquers all things, fills my life. God, would the boldness of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of His love 
fill my heart to overflow. God, I pray right now for each and every person, whatever sphere, let it be tech, let it be education. God, I pray in construction. Lord, I pray in education. Lord, I pray in every single sphere that is represented here, even for homemakers, God, I pray that You would infuse them with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the revelation that God, You are for them and You are with them. That their job as believers is to believe. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.